Peace, peace, peace. I am Philip Roundtree. You're tuned into episode 41 of Hashtag You Good Man. Listen, I'm going to give you 0.5 seconds to hit that subscribe button. Bam. Just like that. 0.5 went fast, didn't it? <laughs> no, just hit that subscribe button so you can know when new episodes of Hashtag You Good Man are released. Upcoming, I have some great guests coming on. Dr. Charles Corporal from New Orleans, Louisiana. And then we have Gregory Corbin from Philadelphia here, who, who are some dope brothers who can really add to this dialogue when we're talking about men's wellness with Dr. Charles Corporal. We have, what's your revolution? What's your purpose? Why are you here? And Gregory Corbin, it's the same. Listen, how can we, as men, as men of color, really work and hone in on our wellness so we can be better off for it within the community, within our families, and overall society. So some dope guests coming up. So again, hit that subscribe button. I'm going to give you another 0.5 seconds. Bam. <laughs> also share with a brother who you know could benefit from this content. So in this episode, I'm going to be having a discussion on how to find a therapist. Salute to those who tuned into my free webinar where I really went over this exact same idea and really went into specifics, which I'm going to do now. So often in my travels, in my social media, I get questions, Phil, how do I find a therapist? Listen, I see your posts, they're dope. I see people posting memes. I pe see people having this conversation about going to therapy, but I have no idea how to navigate this system because it can be a daunting task. And so I, I realize that it's important that we give people the how, right? How do I do this? I can, you can know that you need to eat, right? But for some people, navigating how they're going to eat may be difficult. And you may seem, you know, be like, no, this is not an apples to apples comparison. Right. But for some people, you they have the food there. It exists. They know it exists. They might have the money to you to, to obtain the food. Right. But we might have to say, listen, you need to go to the grocery store. Well, where's the grocery store? And there's an Acme on the Roosevelt Boulevard. Again, I live in Philadelphia on Roosevelt Boulevard in Harbison. You want to go in, you want to go and go to the meat section, go to the vegetable section, go to the carb section. That's how I break things up into proteins, fats and carbs. But you really have to give them um, specific and step by step instructions in order how to to utilize a service, especially if they don't have the, the wherewithal to, to know how to navigate it. And so that's the purpose of this, the purpose of this podcast. And so I'm just going to get into just really the, the process at a basic level in finding a therapist. So what I'm going to review is, first and foremost, why do I need a therapist? The idea of how I'm going to pay for a therapist, insurance versus self-pay, how to locate a therapist. Because again, if we know therapists exist out here, but we don't know where to go to, to try and locate one, you know, where odds are we're not going to, to continue on in the process. What kind of therapist do I need, right? Listen, going to a therapist in general is dope, but it works really well if you know what you're looking for once you get in, if you know what it is that you need. And no, all therapists aren't made the same. They have specific specialties. Some might be great at working with individuals with depression and anxiety. Some may be great um, and, and working with individuals who have eating disorders. So there are so many therapists that exist and they have different niches. But also you want to understand, you want to make sure that you're compatible with the therapist that you pick, right? So as me as a black man, I may want somebody who's 
who recognize that white supremacy exists, right? Now, if I go to somebody who, who's nonchalant about the idea of white supremacy, or they may minimize the impact, then that might not necessarily be the therapist for me. And so it's not just that idea, but there's so many ideas, questions that you want to ask, right? Questions that you want to ask yourself, like, do I feel safe in this environment? Environment matters, right? Feeling comfortable in the environment matters. And so they can be the dopest therapist. But if, if you don't feel safe in that environment, what's the likelihood that you're going to continue? So listen, we're going to touch on all these topics. Again, share this with some people who could benefit. We, we can really answer the question, how do I find a therapist? So first thing that I'm going to cover is the idea of why do I need a therapist? Brief story, and for those who have listened to a podcast, it's probably about 30, 40 episodes ago where I discussed how I found my therapist. Now, the reason why I went to therapy was because I was coming off a, a difficult breakup. And then I also had approximately 20 years of untreated mental health. And so untreated mental health being depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideations, even though I had began medication which helped quell the, the suicidal ideations, the, the length of the depression, because I still have depressive, depressive episodes, as well as uh, anxiety-related symptoms, I, I knew that holistically, I, I really needed to, to focus on the mental and emotional component that the medication couldn't deal with, that working, at the, working out at the gym couldn't really address, hence the reason why I found a therapist. And so I recognize my why. In anything in life, when you recognize your why, you're more likely to not only pursue it, but you're more likely to continue on with it. And so my why was, again, at that time, I was coming off a difficult breakup. Um, I wanted to address my own mental health. And I just wanted to go from living to thriving. People know that's one of my one of my sayings that I live by because I, I realized that, not to say that I had coasted through life, but we could say that I coasted mentally and emotionally through life. I worked my ass off to get to the point where I am to, at that moment where I decided that therapy was for me. Don't get it mistaken. Like times got rough. However, I, I wanted something more for myself. And so some of the other reasons why people seek out, seek out therapeutic services, you may come from a history of trauma. So we're talking about child abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Just neglect quality of life issues like like not eating. There are some kids right now who they're the only way that they eat is breakfast, free breakfast and lunch programs at school or within a community. They don't recognize that it's traumatic to to not eat dinner, to, to, to have to worry about where your food or where your meal is going to come from if you aren't participating in in school or in the community that's traumatic and so again so so often we normalize the trauma because we adapt we have to adapt for survival purposes but this affects us later on in life it it, it could impact our relationships and impact other things so trauma is is definitely a reason that people seek out therapeutic services again being a victim of a crime witnessing a crime or or being a perpetrator of a crime Victims of crimes often seek out, seek out therapy because they want to understand why this happened to them, 
right? They want to understand what is it about them that caused the uh, caused them to be perpetrated against. And what we would tell them, me having a history and therapy, listen, this wasn't about you at all. This isn't about a deficiency. This is about somebody in, uh, exhibiting poor impulse control when we're talking about perpetrators. Somebody who couldn't control themselves. Hence the reason why a perpetrator may go to therapy. To understand what is it about them to cause them to, again, victimize others. And it could be a history of trauma. Also reasons people seek out mental health services. A history of mental health or physical health issues. Again, I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but for myself, having a history of mental wellness issues. Think about somebody who has diabetes, who has to stick themselves day in and day out. Somebody who has to go to dialysis day in and day out and how taxing that can be on their, on their wellness. I'm a firm believer for those who understand what the quad and quadify represents is the four areas of wellness, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual. And if there is a deficit in any one of them, it's it's a high likelihood to be a deficit in another. So I, I always encourage individuals, if you do have a physical health issue um, that's continuous, that's 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 continues on to seek out therapeutic services, a history of drug addiction. Listen, drug addiction is so taxing, not only physically, but mentally as well. And so we know that individuals who have what we call co-occurring disorders, where if they have a drug addiction, there's a high likelihood that they have a mental, a diagnosable mental health condition as well. So when they go into treatment, they're not only detoxing from the drug, but they're also trying to understand what it is that they've experienced as impacting uh, their need to use this drug and what they've experienced while using the drug. So history of addiction, interpersonal relationships. We're talking about breakups. We're talking about couples related issues, going to premarital counseling. A lot of, you know, if you want to get married at a, at a specific church, for example, they have you go to premarital counseling just to, to get talk. Communication is so big, especially when we talk about relationships and also familiar issues. Last but not least, grief. And this, by, this list by no means is exhaustive of why people go to therapy, but these are some of the reasons as to why. And grief. So my brother died right next to me as his ashes. If I was, I, I talk about my brother in therapy from time to time when the need has arisen. And so I, I wish I had therapy at the time when he died because maybe I wouldn't experience the, the emotional distress that I experienced during that period if I had a healthy outlet to be able to discuss what I was experiencing. Other reasons people go to therapy, listen, it doesn't have to be what you've experienced. It could just be a form of self-care. Nothing feels good, better than having just a conversation with somebody. So conversations feel good, right? You can be an intellect and being able to have an intellectual conversation. That's one of the reasons I like go to my therapist. I could just have an intellectual dialogue that I might not get in my day-to-day. Right. You get an unbiased alternative perspective. If you need career help, going to a therapist may help you understand and hone in into who you are as you try to navigate this career space. Learning healthy coping strategies. Listen, we learn how to cope from what we experience and so and, and what we've seen. And so sometimes we need to go to a professional to to help us really navigate and, and unlearn healthy coping, un, unlearn 
unhealthy coping strategies and learn or relearn healthy coping strategies. So again, if we're talking about addiction, uh, unhealthy coping strategies might be might be getting high or drinking alcohol. So learning a healthier coping strategy, maybe you know what, go for a walk, right? Yeah, we might might not be apples to apples, but the more the uh, the more skills you have in your toolbox, the better off you'll be when un, when undesirable situations arise. So now that we have an idea as to why people may choose therapy, the next big question is how am I going to pay for it? And so that's where we have the idea of insurance versus self-pay. So if you have Medicaid or you get your insurance through Obamacare, which is the Affordable Health Care Act, through the marketplace, then you're guaranteed to have mental health coverage. That was one of the stipulations in order for insurance companies to be listed in the marketplace that they have to offer mental health services. And the mental health services have to be on par with your physical health services. So a lot of times, and if you have insurance and you take out your medical card and it says specialist, right? If that means if you go to a physical therapist and it says $40 copay, then when you go to a therapist, your copay is going to be $40, right? It has to be on par, whether it's your length of stay in the hospital, if you're allowed up to three weeks in the hospital and they'll cover it, you're allowed up to three weeks in a mental health facility and they'll be covered. They have to be on par. And again, if you have Medicaid, which is government issued insurance, it's guaranteed that you have mental health and coverage. Now, now, if you have private insurance, that means you have a medical card. So take out your medical card, look on the back. And I'm not sure of too many medical insurances who don't offer mental health, but they but they do exist. And you want to take out your card. You want to call that number on the back. It may say behavioral health services, mental health services, or you can call the main number for your insurance company to find out what exactly your coverage for mental health benefits are. Again, as I said, they have to be on par with your uh, with your physical health services. Now, for some people, you might have, again, you might have to pay a copay, or for some, you might have to pay a deductible where they say, okay, you know what? The first $500 is out of pocket, but then after that, we'll cover everything. And $500, listen, when we talk about mental health services, that can go relatively quickly, right? So what that means is uh, an average session for a private therapist is roughly between $150 and $250. So that might be two to three sessions that you pay on your own outright, right? And now the rest of the time's going for the rest of those 50 weeks of the year, your insurance company would, would pick up the tab. Or it could be medication. They may say, you know what, pay X amount out of pocket. And, and so that may, listen, insurance, uh, medication without insurance is costly. And just a quick tidbit, what you can do, because I do it myself, I, I I use a manufacturer's card. So the people who make Effexor, which I take 75 milligrams every day, I got the manufacturer's card. So I pay roughly um, about $15 a month for my for my medication. Otherwise, it would literally be $1,000. And so when they talk about pharmaceutical uh, being big business, yeah, it's definitely big business. But there are so many ways to, to really... Um, get the medication that you need and there's ways there's good rx there's different ways that really help lower the cost listen it's not canada it's not cuba it should be free but this is the reality that we live in
But so just that's just a tidbit to add in. Um, then we have self-pay. So self-pay is what I'm transitioning to now because I, I no longer have medical insurance because as a full-time entrepreneur, <laughs> we got to make decisions. We got to make business decisions. And so with me making business decisions, AKA, listen, I have to pay my mortgage. I have to pay my daughter's tuition. I have to pay all of these things. And then yes, my medical uh, my medical and physical wellness and mental wellness should definitely be higher than my <laughs> rated higher than, you know, uh, me having to pay the mortgage or tuition. But unfortunately, we sometimes have to put other things that we that are necessities to our quality of life and that can impact our wellness to the forefront. Again, I can't have my daughter uh, going back to to a school that couldn't meet her educational needs. So yes, that takes priority. And so with that, I'm now a self-pay individual. With my therapist, I, I use a sliding scale. And so what that means is she'll say, hey, listen, Phil, pay $60, right? You might've been, I, you were paying 40. Uh, it's not the 200 that I get, but I like you, right? That's really what it is. Phil, I bang with you. So here, you will pay $60 instead of the 180 if you were just somebody coming in off the street. Now for other for other private therapists, you can um, they may take your income, they may have you bring your, your last year's taxes in, they might have you bring your week biweekly or weekly or daily paycheck in and you base it off of that. So but again the average cost varies depending on the therapist. Now there's also free services. Free services will be for example, Black Men Heal, they're based here in Philadelphia. They offer eight-week sessions to they offer eight-week sessions to, to black men in particular, because they're really trying to engage black men in the therapeutic process. And all that they ask is that you tell other people about your experience. Right? So we might seem like that's an easy trade-off, but again, we're talking about black men and mental and emotional wellness. It's already difficult for us to go to the doctor. So now we're talking about having a, a, a conversation about our well, our mental and emotional wellness, something that's been stigmatized within our community for, for generations with another brother. Yeah, it's not as easy as the saying, but kudos to those individuals who participate. Um, there's also free groups. If you're based in Philadelphia or Jersey or Delaware, I hold hashtag you good man wellness groups at Uncle Bobby's. And again, here in Philadelphia, um, it's every other Monday from 630 until about 839 o'clock. It's a free group where brothers are allowed to emote. Simple as that. And we offer um, healthy solutions and healthy pushback. To, within our discussions that we have. Other mental health orgs offer free advice, um, free consultations, um, and finding, and also your, your local mental health community organization. They, they may offer free services. I know if you want to get it through the city of Philadelphia, they'll help you sign up for insurance because again, at the end of the day, they, they want to get paid. And so they'll offer these free resources. So you go in and say, listen, I'm interested in therapeutic services. The waiting list will be extensive. It will be a long wait. I, you know, there's no way around that. But in that process, one of their goals is to help you sign up for the, the aforementioned Medicaid. So just those are the two ways that you pay insurance and self-pay. And then also, um, no, you know what? I'm going to get to that a little bit later. 
So now that you recognize why you why you need a therapist and how you're going to pay for a therapist potentially, now you need to recognize how you're going to locate a therapist. And this is just this is much simpler than than it may appear. First things first, if you have insurance, call your insurance company and ask for a, for a list of providers in your area. The limitations to that is they they just offer names and phone numbers, right? They can't tell you if the person's a clinician of color or if they're white. So they're just saying, yo, here's the list of people that that it'll be cheaper for you to go to. And if you want to go out of out of network, it's going to cost you more if you find a therapist that you like and they're not in network with us. But they're just giving you a list and you have to do your own research. And this is where the Internet comes in. So there are sites like psychologytoday.com, right, where you can put in a zip code or you can put in the name of the individual who your insurance company gave you. And you could put it in there and um, any therapist who's worth their salt, they're definitely located on psychologytoday.com and it gives you a quick bio, lets you know what their specialties are, which we'll get into in a few minutes. But again, this puts a face to, to the name, which matters, which matters. For me, I knew I wanted a clinician of color, so I knew <laughs> the picture had to be of somebody that was that was that looked like me right that looked like me and so pictures matter pictures matter but also what matters is you know the skill set of the individual now the limitations of that is that it's overwhelming so another resource is therapy for black girls uh therapyforblackgirls.com now that's a a list of clinicians of color. The list is exhaustive. We're talking about thousands. But again, especially if you're a clinician of color, that's a list that you want to be on because we know it's difficult finding someone like you um, to, to be able to work with in a therapeutic setting. So hence the reason why they started. And and what followed was therapyforblackmen.org. And that's also a resource if you're trying to find a clinician of color. And again, it's not relegated to women, black women, black men. Listen, if you need a therapist, whether you, no matter you know what your, your ethnicity is, which, how you define the social construct of race and how you define yourself. Listen, I would go on there. If I was a white man looking for a therapist or a white woman looking for a therapist, it's like, listen, I want somebody that's qualified. I'm going on there, right? So again, but the, the limitation that it's overwhelming. And then we have word of mouth. And word of mouth are, I've given my therapist's name and information out to a select few people. Listen, I don't want everybody going to my therapist point blank, not because I'm being selfish or I'm trying to keep her to myself because it's supposed to be a safe space. And if I'm walking in and I see everybody that I know in there, in my eyes, I no longer might feel safe in that environment. So even with my, and it's talking about my close friends I've given this information to, I'm like, yes, and the only thing is you got to schedule on a day that's, or a time when it's not near me, right? Because I don't want to walk in and see you. And then it's just like, well, what's, or have that idea of overthinking, right? Because that's really what it is, overthinking, that they're somehow concerned with what I'm talking about. But I know that's something that I'm working through in my therapy session. So receiving information from someone you trust. The limitations, because they work for them, doesn't mean they work for you, right? Because Sally or Mary or, or Pam or Charles, it worked for them. Yeah, doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And so that's something to be mindful of.
So next we're going to get into to what type of therapist you need, right? So because there's so many types of therapists or people who offer therapeutic services. And so what I'm going to get into is just the types of therapy services that exist. And so we're talking about individual therapy. That's the basic therapy that we're used to, that, that we can picture in our mind when we think of Tony Soprano talking to his therapist. It's designed for one person, right? And it opens pathways related to personal development, healing, and coping. The goal and the success completely relies heavily on the relationship between the person and the therapist. So it's about you guys. That's why when I say the relationship is so important, I, it just can't be understated how critical that relationship is to success. There's also family therapists, which I was at one point in time. Now, the focus of family therapy is how individual behaviors not only affect the individual, but also the family system and the family system's impact on its members, right? So me being a part of a family, how does my, my behavior impact everyone else in the outlook and their outlook on me? Right. And vice versa. And so what a therapist does is they come in and they have conversation with the members. They try to understand what's going on. A lot of times it's really related on on what you've experienced as an individual and you bringing that with you to the, in the family setting. And then we see a lot of poor communication, especially when it's abuse and, and things like that involved. It's a lot of, again, lack of communication. Because lack of communication is probably the biggest reason people seek out therapeutic services. And so, you know, it exists in individuals and, and families in particular. And so success is seen when the family or individual participants recognize their role in the dysfunction identify familial barriers and are able to resolve said issues. So when we talk about abuse, it's important for a parent or a caregiver to recognize their role in the abuse of their child um, or whatever, whatever, whether it's domestic violence or what have you, because everybody doesn't leave domestic violence situations. We recognize that. And that also gets into couples. But even the children, the children observing it, right, they're they're exposed to this. They see this. And so re somebody recognizing the role that they had in, in the unhealthy situation, this will help move the family to quote unquote success. We have couples therapy, as I just mentioned, with when we talk about domestic violence. And so what happens in couples therapies, it, it's the idea of observing and analyze where focus on improving communication between partners uh, is, is highlighted, is emphasized because we know that it influenced thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. So with, with domestically violent situations, can, everybody doesn't leave, right? Everybody doesn't leave. And we're not just talking about physical abuse. We're talking about emotional abuse also. And it, a lot of it stems from impulse control, you know, lack of impulse control and the lack of healthy communication that's been honed over the years. It just doesn't appear overnight, right? When we see somebody... Um, commit a heinous crime against somebody else. Yes, that was the that was the culmination of often years and years of unhealthy coping to get to this point, which we can usually trace back. And so when we talk about couples therapy, again, domestic violence is, is the extreme, but it happens. But we're also just talking about couples uh, who are unable to have healthy communication, full transparency. My daughter, daughter's mother and I, 
where, where, you know, I love her, you know, but I dislike her right now because we're having difficulties communicating with regards to how, how we're going to co-parent. And so my recommendation was, listen, let's go to therapy, right? We're not communicating. My, you're not hearing me. I'm not in a place to hear you. And so even though we're eight, we're still providing for our child, um, I still want the communication to be better in a co-parenting sense. And so that would be couples therapy, even though we aren't a couple. And so success relies on the couple's willingness to initiate the change process and heed recommendations from their therapist. So with that said, I've been asking this now for the last three months and she's been reluctant to do so because, again, we've been conditioned, especially when you're the strong black woman or the strong woman who's had to be this or the strong man who's had to be this way for years, asking, uh, trying to implement change can be a difficult process to, to literally emotionally and mentally navigate. So, but couples therapy is so beneficial. And then we have group therapy. Again, that's something that I offer. It's not as, um, as intense as, as a group therapy session with a, with somebody pays for, right? But it's still the same processes that take place because the interactions with other members and the facilitators, that's where you, where you truly learn and you, you, you really start to understand because you're receiving pushback and feedback from, from your fellow group members. So it's definitely a necessary way. And when we're talking about for children, they have behavioral health rehabilitation services, which I, which I was a behavior specialist. So being a behavior specialist means I navigate the different environments where a child is to truly understand what's taking place. So that's the school, the home, and the community. You also can get mobile therapy services because again, transportation, especially for in a lot of, of impoverished communities, traveling to a therapist's office is difficult, especially when you have other things taking place. So with the mobile therapist, they come to you. The behavior specialists come to you. And then you call you can also get uh, TSS services across these settings. And this all comes together as a team to help promote better mental and emotional wellness for not only for the children, but for the families in general. And so, again, if you live in Philadelphia or surrounding communities, you have you have organizations like Carson Valley or Warren E. Smith, who also who who offer behavioral health services. And it's usually something that people who are on government assistance like Medicaid, they're able to, because again, we're talking about CHIP um, here in Pennsylvania or whatever your, the insurance for your child, um, your government, your government issued insurance for your child is in your respective, your respective area. They often definitely authorize services for the most part. Rarely have I seen children, children deny services, but it does happen. So briefly, I'm going to get into therapist credentials because there are so many people who practice therapy and or coaching, what I'll get into. We have psychiatrists. Psychiatrists are moving away from uh, away from practicing therapy, even though I know I do know some who do. And they usually strictly focus on medication. They're the only ones who can prescribe psych meds outside of of your, you know, your your family uh your family doctor or, you know, there's some other individuals who can prescribe medication, but a psychiatrist's uh, background is in mental health. 
and in psychiatry. And so I would definitely recommend going to them if you have been any medication, uh, desires for medication, um, as opposed to going to your family doctor because that's this is their niche. But so few offer therapeutic services these days. Now we have psychologists. Psychologists, they could be a PhD or 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 a PsyD. Again, we, the letters... The letters matter to a certain extent because it talks about the level of expertise that they're supposedly have, but it does nothing. It does not speak to their specific skill set. And so, again, you'll see a lot of clinical psychologists in various settings. You might see them in school settings. Uh, I know my my therapist is a has her Ph.D. in psychology, but she also has an LCSW because she is a social worker. So she obtained her LCSW. Um, which is a licensed clinical social worker, with, uh, which allowed her to to build, which that allowed her to practice therapy and bill insurance companies, and then she decided to go back and get her PhD. But again, there's a certain comfort that comes with somebody being licensed um, as a clinical psychologist, or when we talk about a social worker, somebody having their LCSW. Right now, people who know me know that I have my master's in social work, but I'm not licensed. And so I, I make that known. So, again, the difference is I can't bill insurance companies directly. I can do self-pay. Um, there's also some 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 protect your neck type of deal. You got to you know, you got to cover your ass, especially if you're unlicensed, because. You know, you don't want to, and in certain states, if you're not licensed and you even use the word therapy, that you're practicing therapy, you can leave yourself liable. And so it's important that you have contracts that reflect that when you're when you're meeting with somebody in that professional capacity. Then we have marriage and family therapists. Again, they can be licensed. So you'll see a licensed marriage and family therapist. And that is their niche, but also they can do individual therapy or what have you. Then similar to myself being an MSW, you have marriage and family therapists who aren't licensed. Again, how you'll pay them, it'll usually be pay out of pocket if they have a sliding scale on what that looks like. Um, but again, it doesn't speak to the quality of the service because they may or may not be licensed. And lastly, we have LPCs. Typically, when we have license, when we see licensed professional counselors, these are people who might not have a background in social work. It may be in education and they still have a desire to do therapy. And so they, again, have to get certain... And for all of these individuals, we're talking about thousands of clinical hours that are needed in order to take a state licensure test and to pass it in order to, to be able to to service clients and be able to build bill insurance companies. So those are just some that you'll see. And now I also have coaching. Right. And in coaching, I, when I say I have coaching, I am a coach. I'm a mental and emotional wellness coach. Um, what I let people know is about the specifics of the service that I offer. And you'll see this out there. Um, yes, I do have a background as a child and family therapist for some years. But when I talk about coaching, I'm not really honing in on what's happening in the past. Right. And so and some therapists don't do that as well. If you go see a therapist and you, you're trying to understand your thoughts currently, and they may use a technique called cognitive behavioral therapy, which we'll get into, um, they those sessions are condensed, right? They're like, listen, your goal isn't to be here for years. 
right? And so no different than, than the service that I offer with coaching is that my goal isn't to keep you for years. We might need to really work on something. So I need to give you some homework to truly help you in the present and moving forward. Even though we may incorporate the past, right? We, we want to identify some tangible goals now, right? That, and where you can work on to help you three months from now, you'll be in a completely different space. So again, the coaches may have the above listed credentials. I know a slew of coaches who have, you know, their licensed marriage and family therapists, their licensed clinical social workers, but they're really trying to get out of that, that arena. Uh, because listen, dealing with insurance companies is a hassle, right? And so that's, that's reasoning as to why a lot of us just choose to go, listen, it's easier for me to deal with you and for you to pay me right than me having to seek out payment from an insurance company which can take months now they may have the the credentials that i listed previously or they may have a coaching certification or they may have no academic or professional credentials at all now again it's just like buyer beware especially if they have no credentials and so you want to have referral this is where referrals really work uh, or you want to have testimonies even though people can make up testimonies but you want to have some type of insight into who they are, into their skill set before you start doling out money. Because, again, we recognize despite money not being important in my eyes, it is one of the commodities that we have that we show people not only that we care and that we trust them, um, but again, how we take care of our wellness. And so to dole out money to people who uh, who aren't qualified, right? Nobody wants to do that and, and waste their time or their money. And time is truly the most precious commodity that we have. Um, briefly, I'm going to get into just the types of specialties. So we're talking about individuals who, what do they use when they're doing therapy with you? And so truly, really the, the one that sticks out now is cognitive behavioral therapy. That's the idea. Listen, yes, your behavior comes from a thought. But what is motivating that thought, right? So, you know, if I punch you in the mouth, right, because you say you say you're ugly, and that where is that coming from, right? Where is that coming from? Maybe I was told I was ugly when I was a child, and so that impacted me moving forward. So it's really understanding those underlying thoughts and try to shift them, so we then can move forward. Uh, we're talking about. Uh, psychodynamic therapists where they really want to hone in on the past experiences to help you right now as you as you really start to navigate but they really want to understand have you help you understand what was happening at that time and so for most therapists they really use an integrative approach where they're pulling from cognitive behavioral therapy psychodynamic therapy and and all of these different principles to really help you because that's the end goal you really want to have something tailored to you now, last but not least, so we've we've already understand why we need to go to therapy. We recognize how we're going to pay for therapy. We understand the type of therapist that exists and, and the specialties that they offer. Now it's what do I say when I get in there? Right. When I'm in this process, because you should be interviewing your therapist. Right. It should be 
uh, you recognizing how the fit's going to be for you. And so these are just a, a list of some questions, and this isn't an exhaustive list by any means, but just some things to get the ball rolling as you start to think about the types of therapists you want to, uh, that you desire. And so questions to ask might look like, what makes you qualified to work with me, right? Listen, if somebody's asking me, well, I have an MSW. Okay, yeah, that's not really answering the question. Okay, if I want to ask it in an exhaustive way, and it's just so they understand why they're working with me. Listen, I have a specific skill set that's been honed over 10 plus years and, and working um, with with families and individuals and couples. Uh, I... I've done extensive research with regards to depression and anxiety. I'm somebody who lives with depression and anxiety because sometimes self-disclosure matters. I also see a therapist because if your therapist sees a therapist, that recognize that makes them makes you aware that they recognize the importance of it. Um, also, are you a confrontational therapist? I've had one therapist in my life. She was so passive, and I knew that going in, but yet I continued on because we have this idea to trust the expert and hope that it gets better. And it didn't. And after four sessions, I had to discontinue seeing her because I needed somebody to confront me on what it is that to confront me. Because again, me being a black man in society, me having the skill set and the ability to think critically, I recognize how I've been groomed to survive. And so if you're going to come at me, you better come hard. Right. I, I don't want to do passive all the time. I do need you to empathize with me for sure, but I don't need to be pacified. Right. How will I know therapy is working? What are your thoughts on white supremacy? As I said earlier, what qualifies you to work with the person of color? That's such a big question, because, again, if you don't if you just look at me as being somebody else and you don't recognize the stresses that come with being a person of color, then you might not necessarily be the person for me. And also a question might be, what is your gender identity, right? Now, I, I identify as being male, but there are some who are non-binary, who, who don't identify as either gender, right? Or they may identify as being transgender. So if you don't view me as, if, if I just happen to be dressed as a woman, I identify as being female, yet you're still identifying me as male, damn sure shouldn't probably be going to go see you, right? So those are just some questions. Again, that's not an exhaustive list. Now, questions you want to ask yourself. Do I feel safe? Do they seem knowledgeable and competent? Does this therapist seem empathetic? Does it feel confidential? My first therapist, she told me everything about all her, all her patients, so I knew that she was probably doing the same with uh, with her other patients. And so after a few sessions, that was it. That was enough for me. I couldn't take that anymore. But again, I didn't feel like I had a voice to be able to say, well, listen, I'm not really trying to hear about your, about your other patients. Because again, we've been taught to trust the, trust the expert. And, and last but not least, are you counting down the minutes while in a session? There's usually a 50 minute hour. So it's 50 minutes of talking, then 10 minutes of processing for, for next week, whether it's they're all giving homework or, or what have you. If you're like, man, looking at the clock, like this is taking forever, then yeah, you need to reassess if that's the therapist for you. Now, if you want to keep talking, 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 and talking, and even after the 50 minute hour or the hour, you're like, man, I, I want to keep going. Then that's a good sign. That means you are comfortable, right? So listen, I, I hope 
that you found this to be informative. Again, please share this with a brother or a sister. I'm not talking about, you know, how you identify race-wise, just men or a woman or non-binary or no matter how you identify, just share this information because it is beneficial for somebody who is trying to navigate this process. Feel free to, to comment. Let me know if you found this helpful. Um, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you're interested in coaching services, you can direct message me on Instagram at P-H-I-L underscore quadify, Q-U-A-D-E-F-Y, or hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com slash philipmsw, that's Philip with two L's. Or you can go on the website for you and sign in for your free 15-minute consultations. When I say sign in, sign up and fill out the information there. That's at www.quadifyquadefyllc.net slash coaching. I appreciate you guys. Peace.